So those who have read your pew sheets will be thinking that was an extraordinarily long gospel reading and seemed to be about twice as long as it should have been. And you would be right because it was about twice as long as it should have been. If we had been Methodist or Presbyterian last week, we would have not had the presentation of Jesus at the temple. We would have had the Beatitudes, because that's what the Revised Common Lectionary had for last week. But because we're Anglican and we like to keep some of the old traditional festivals, like Candlemas, the presentation of Jesus at the temple, when traditionally all the candles for the church year were blessed, hence Candlemas, uh, we missed out on that. Now the problem with that is, for the next few weeks, we are going to be exploring the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount begins with the Beatitudes. And that's where it's kind of introduced and all the major themes are placed out there. And it seemed to me that you can't really do the Sermon on the Mount unless you do the Beatitudes. So this week, you get the Beatitudes and this week's Gospel reading. So I've got twice as much gospel reading to play with. So get comfortable. So, here's a question. There is one other gospel that has some Beatitudes, and that would be Luke. And we heard Luke's Beatitudes at the end of last year, so you'll all be informed about this. And you will note that there are a few differences between how Matthew presents the Beatitudes and how Luke presents them. So, what are those differences? Who can tell me? If I get one answer, that'll be one more than eight o'clock. <laughs> there are three. There are three big differences. Jill? The, the one who sees blessed are the poor. Yeah. And the other one says blessed are the poor in spirit. Right. So, Luke says, blessed are the poor. His gospel is all about good news for the poor. Jesus came to pronounce good news for the poor. He was firmly anchored in Isaiah 61, but it runs right through Isaiah. And in fact, all four gospels saw Jesus being anchored in Isaiah. And we heard another piece of that today in our piece from Isaiah. Isaiah was all about good news for the poor. And we actually use some of that today in the opening little piece in our liturgy. Jesus Christ is good news for the poor, release for the captive, liberty for those who are oppressed. And the piece we miss out there is the acceptable year of the Lord, which is in fact the year of Jubilee, which we all rejoice in. But the year of Jubilee was in fact an economic year. It was the year every 50 years when all debts were forgiven, all slaves were freed, because most of the slaves were slaves because of debt anyway. And when all the land was returned to the families who should owe them. Because all the poor families lost their land because of their debts. So it was a massive economic rejig of the whole of society. That's what Luke said Jesus was all about. But Matthew doesn't seem to be on the same page. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. That's the first one. What's this, what are two others? Any ideas? Alright, Luke had four, and Matthew had eight, so Matthew has a lot more Beatitudes. And then the last one is, Luke also had a whole lot of woes. So, blessed are the poor, woe to you who are not poor. 
who are rich. Blessed are the hungry. Woe to you who eat too much. So he has them right smack together. Now Matthew also has woes, but his ones are right at the end before we get to the Passion in Matthew 23. And in fact, some people say that his blessings and woes act like bookends. So in Matthew's Gospel, we've had the birth of Jesus, and and then we've had uh, going down to Egypt and back up to Nazareth, then we've had uh, the baptism of Jesus and the calling of the disciples, and then we start with the Beatitudes, and then we have all his teaching and action, da-da-da-da-da-da, and then the very last thing we have is the woes. So in fact, the two are there, but they act as bookends in his gospel. They're not side by side, as in Luke. So those are some of the differences. And in some ways they are quite significant, but in other ways they're not that significant. Because in reality, both Matthew and Luke see the basis, the way that we should understand Jesus to be through Isaiah. So, that's the first thing. Now, the thing that unites Matthew and Luke is the use of the word makaroioi, which is a Greek word, not surprisingly, because they both wrote in Greek. And uh, we normally translate that as blessed are. But most of the commentators that I read for this week said that's not the best translation. That a much better translation would be honour. Now, in our world, honour and blessed kind of work the same. But in Jesus' world, as in the Middle East today, honour is the currency of life. Your job in life is to preserve your family's honour and not decrease that honour by bringing shame. So, and if you bring dishonour to your family, then, well, you could end up dead. Because that's a pretty heinous thing to do. And so we have honour killings that still happen when women bring dishonour to their family. Honour is huge. It is the currency of life. Everything, everything revolves around honour. And those who have great honour are looked up to and they have all the power and the say and all those of little honour or no honour are way down the bottom of the heap. So who are the people at the top? The people of honour? Well, in a Jewish world, they're Jews and they're uh, the religious people, Pharisees, scribes, Sadducees. And they're the wealthy people because God has clearly blessed them. And that means all the landowners. Uh, and they're all well. If you have a heinous disease, then that brings dishonour to your family. And all the people of low honour were the poor, the sick, the widows, and people who came from places like Nazareth. And Nazareth wasn't a very good place to come from. So, honour. Well, who does Luke And Matthew say are the people of honour. Luke says, blessed are the poor. Honour to the poor. Honour to the hungry. He ascribes honour to all the wrong people. And so does Matthew. All the wrong people. 
So I'm going to read a translation of the Beatitudes, and uh, the guy who's done it has put in the word honour there, and it's going to sound pretty clunky, because one of the things about Matthew at this point was he seemed to not want to use verbs. So while the English translators go, blessed are the, that word are, they've, they've just put in there. It's not really in the Greek, because Luke, uh, Matthew wasn't into verbs at this point of his sentence writing. And uh, where we put thus occasionally, he left those out too. So this guy has kind of tried to hold true to what Matthew wrote as much as possible. And as you hear it, I want you to think about who are the people in our society that we ascribe honour to? Who is it that we look up to? Who is it that we think are the movers and shakers in our world? And let's see how they compare with those Matthew suggests. How honoured, poor in the spirit. Because of them is the reign of the heavens. How honoured the ones who mourn. Because they will be comforted. How honoured the meek. Because they will inherit the earth. How honoured the ones who hunger for and thirst for the righteousness, because they will be satiated. How honoured the merciful, because they will receive mercy. How honoured the pure in the heart, because they will behold God. How honoured the peacemakers, because they will be called children of God. How honoured the ones who have been persecuted on account of righteousness, because of them is the reign of the heavens. How honoured are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all evil against you on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, because your reward is great in the heavens, for likewise they persecuted the prophets before you. Very different from how we and most people understand people of honour to be. Now in the Beatitudes, Matthew introduces his two big themes. The two themes that he thinks Jesus is on about. Righteousness and the kingdom of heaven. Now sometimes we think the kingdom of heaven is what happens after we die. Because it's got the word heaven in it. But for Matthew... It was about heaven coming on earth. The kingdom of heaven was now, not sometime in the future. So when he's talking about the kingdom of heaven in the Beatitudes, he's saying, this is what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And in the kingdom of heaven, these are the people of honour. These are the movers and shakers. And note what's missing. There's nothing about race. Nothing about Jews or Gentiles. There's nothing about colour. There's nothing about economic status. Rich, poor, slave, free. There's nothing about gender. There's nothing. There's none of the usual markers about who has honour and who does not. What Matthew and Luke both do is provide us with a whole new list. A whole new way of seeing the world. 
and it's just as radical as Luke's. But because we have blessed in there, and we can kind of go, oh, that's nice, we miss it. We miss just how radical Matthew is. So that brings us to today's reading. And today's reading says that if we are marked by these Beatitudes, we are people of honour, and we become salty light. We become salt, and we become light. The trouble is, well, carry on. And when we become salt or light, that means we become people of significance. We become the movers and shakers. We become people who will change the world. The trouble is, if you're like me, well, first of all, I struggle to live most of those Beatitudes. So that's a point against me. And secondly, I don't really feel like a mover or a shaker. I certainly don't feel like a person of a whole lot of influence. In fact, I feel like somebody who's pretty powerless, and that frustrates me, because I'd love to change the world. I would love to end wars and poverty and disease. I would love to end all the things that separate us. And I look at what governments around the world do, and it seems just to add to the misery of the world. And there is nothing I can do about it. But I think that's the point. When we are willing to acknowledge that there is nothing we can do about it, and that in fact we struggle to live out the Beatitudes, then and only then are we able to even begin to live out the Beatitudes. Because that's the very point that we become poor in the Spirit. I am not living this out. I am not changing the world. That is the point that we join those who mourn. We mourn for our world and what it could be and what it is. We join the ranks of the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. Now sometimes, a lot of the time, we think righteousness is all about a moral code for an individual. If you went to a youth event, an Anglican youth event in Polynesia, they would tell you that it's about not swearing, not drinking, and not having sex. That's it. If you do those things, it's all good. But if you read Matthew, or Luke, or Mark, or John, or if you read Isaiah, then you would discover that righteousness is about how the world operates. Righteousness happens when, as we said in our liturgy, the poor are no longer poor, the captives are released, and the oppressed are no longer oppressed. When the hungry have enough, when wars end, and when disease ends, and the world lives as God intends it. That is what righteousness is about, the right way the world should be. And that is what we are invited to long for, God's righteousness. 
Because when God's righteousness happens, then the kingdom of heaven happens. And when we join those who long for it, as Matthew describes it, Matthew says we become people of honour in the kingdom of heaven, and we become those who will change the world. We will be called children of God. Only when we see the poverty in the world around us, and only when we know that God alone can change it, and is changing it, only then will we become a blessing. Only then will we be salt and light.